Hi there, this is Karen and you are tuning into the Woman Inspired Podcast. Guess what? This is episode 101. Yay. (laughs) Yeah, last week was our 100th episode. So if you missed it, go back and tune in, listen to it. I think you'll like it. All right. If you want more info on this podcast, though, or how to schedule me to speak at your next event, or maybe even see what I've got scheduled coming up, go to womaninspired.com. That's woman, W-O-M-A-N-I-N-S-P-I-R-E-D.com. And you can get all the details there, including links on how to find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. That's pretty much all the social media. Oh, YouTube as well. Okay, so we will start today's episode titled, It's All in How You Say It, with a few pod quotes. First of all, um, let's see, both of them are anonymous, unknown. I have no idea who said them, but I'm going to say them right now. Ready? My words came out fine. They were processed incorrectly by your brain. <laughs> I love that. It's a good, it's a good comeback to someone being confused about something you said clearly. <laughs> Be sure to taste your words before you spit them out. Interesting. Think about it. All right. So again, this podcast episode is titled, It's All in How You Say It. So I sat down, you know, with virtual pen and paper, which means my fingers and, uh, uh, Word document to write down specific topics that I wanted to talk about on my podcast. And I do that frequently. Uh, They range from everything from favorite recipes to mental health, uh, elderly patients not getting adequate care, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, political things, (laughs) how I need to get out and get some more gardening done, loads of things that are on my brain. However, they're not all appropriate for this podcast because first and foremost, I don't often share recipes except with close family and friends because let's face it, those people who know me know that one of the things I actually do well is cook and I like to develop recipes. So I'm a little territorial about them and no, you cannot have one. But even greater than that is the poor decisions I've made over the years not to write those recipes down. I'm just being honest. I just figure things out. I experiment and store them in my head. Yeah, like, yes, one day I need to get them all written down and, and out. But as of now, if someone wants the recipe for something I've made and I want to share it with them, I have to sit and think about it a while to write it down just on the spot. I'm so used to just putting a bit of this and a bit of that. And then, ta-da, beautiful dancing happens on the taste buds most of the time. <laughs> so no, uh, no recipe talk today. And I don't put myself in the stratosphere of political talk on this podcast you know, blue, left, right, up, down, red, whatever, round and round on this podcast of uh, political talk will not happen. Or on social media. I don't do that on social media either. I have my personal viewpoints. I pray about seeing clearly what is right and wrong, truth versus a lie. And I work hard to pick wisely what to talk about and with whom when it comes to political discussions and worldly controversies, etc. So that is also not an option to discuss in today's episode, even though sometimes those things are definitely on my mind. And then I thought, I know what I need to discuss that's on my mind right now. Vacuum cleaners. Yeah, vacuum cleaners. I need a new one. Mine sucks. Or rather, it doesn't suck. 
to be more specific. I had to borrow a vacuum cleaner and it frankly nearly caused me trauma. And, and doing that to me, borrowing a vacuum cleaner that is, is almost akin to borrowing someone else's underwear. I mean, it's just very, very uh, personal and specific. I mean, really think about it. It gets into the nitty gritty places in your home that nothing else does just like your underwear does. It goes places that no one and nothing else does. It goes into the dirty places that no other appliance or piece of clothing will. And I don't want someone else's uh, vacuum cleaner or underwear in my house. I just don't think it's a good thing. I mean, what residual dirt from that other person's house and dwelling are you bringing into your own house? Yes, you can clean the vacuum cleaner, but other than me, I don't know how many people regularly clean their vacuum cleaners. Now, underwear is hopefully a different story and you clean it frequently, but I'm not going to ask how often or specifics because, hey, maybe you don't wear any at all. That's your business, not mine, and I'm not your mom, so I'm not going to check. But suffice to say, I won't be talking about vacuum cleaners or underwear because you can rest assured that I'm not going to ask to borrow either of those things from you. <laughs> So as I was going over numerous notes in this file, I have um, just so many of them. I, I, I do have this file that I just kind of jot notes down and stick them in. Um, it's, it's a virtual file, of course. It's on, online. It's, it's things that I think of or that God puts on my heart, maybe scripture that really hits me at a given time um, that I've decided at some point while I was sitting at a computer um, to just put in there or I'll even go out of my way if I wake up in the middle of the night and something really is on my mind and my heart I'm sure to write it down I may not use it then or maybe a year down the line I have no idea but I've learned to write these things down um, so as I was sitting at my computer kind of thinking okay what direction do I want to go in uh, I decided to jump out on social media for a minute yeah huge mistake my podcast notes were a much safer bet for something light and meaningful and, or, you know, even deep and funny. Um, I, I tried, um, to just kind of go back to the notes, but it's really difficult because I allowed social media to become a distraction. Um, these quotes that I have, these tidbits of inspiration and scripture verses that I stuff in, in that file on a regular basis on this folder in my computer are still there, but sometimes I even save memes or, or text messages that someone sends me if they've hit me a certain way and, and really made me take pause in the moment to think about the meaning of them or to laugh or to pray. Uh, so it's good. And uh, some of these things I do see on social media and it gives me some inspiration, but it can also be a huge distraction. And it's so funny when I go back and read these things that I've written, most of the time I know pretty much exactly what I meant when I jot down a note, but sometimes I have no idea what in the world I was thinking or how I thought that particular thing or those words that I wrote way back when, or even just last week had some sort of significant meaning. I mean, I haven't the foggiest idea why or how, uh, I somehow thought that a particular thing was profound. Like the giraffe's neck is longer than its body. I don't know where I was going with that. It had some sort of spiritual <laughs> significance. If you know, please uh, message me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I had that in my tidbits that I saved. So, okay, Karen, <laughs> thank you for that observation, but this is not Animal Planet. 
I don't know. Anyhow, sometimes I go out of, out on social media, like I said, for inspiration. Although I do that rarely because it's a huge distraction, like I said. And it's just, well, it's more unsocial media, in my opinion. If you're going to go out there to socialize, uh, reality check here, it is not what it's used for any longer. And socializing out there can actually be dangerous. If you follow me online, you'll see you're a rare breed. First and foremost, I don't have a lot of followers in one, any one area, although I'm trying to build that up. Um, I don't have a lot of time and energy and don't put a lot of time and energy into garnering that, you know, if I'm going to use my time and energy, I'm going to do it elsewhere. Um, I do have more followers now than I did last year. And I am working harder to be more active and post more intentional and inspirational posts because truthfully, I do have a lot to share. And I think some of it has value. Hopefully some of it has great value, but I just have to swallow my disgust with social media every time I go out on that platform. Like today, for instance, oh my word, talk about dirty things going into dirty places, (laughs) Things that should not be put out in the world at large. That's the world of social media many days. People go where they shouldn't, whether it's in, it used to be just in words, they go where they shouldn't. Now it's in constant video or pictures. Um, They show what God meant only for private matters and flaunt what they, some of them don't actually have. It's just um, artificial intelligence amping it up or filtering and you know, things like that, but it's still flaunted out there in some of these people that look like cartoon characters. So one thing though, that I've appreciated about social media the past few years are these snippets of videos that people post that are from their heart. It used to be that the only way you could share your thoughts, your opinions, and in your um, experiences was to type them out. And that leads to a lot of room for misinterpretation. I mean, when you're emailing something, you sometimes use capital letters. And now it's taken as if you use capitalization, like you're screaming at someone, even though maybe you meant the all caps as some form of excitement or to make a point. Um, and people can take it out of context. One time years ago, I wrote an email to my siblings. I was so excited about something. And so I put uh, things in capital letters and used exclamation points because I thought I had a great idea on a gift for my parents for Christmas that we could all go together in on. And then I got back two nasty emails from two of my siblings because they thought I was being pushy or yelling at them. And it was just so over the top in their reaction. But I had to go back and read and reread what I wrote. I mean, I couldn't figure it out. I still didn't get it. What I wrote was taken way out of context. And of course, since I wrote it, it was hard to read it objectively because I knew exactly what I meant. And have you ever had that happen? Whether in writing or on a tweet or a post on social media or or really even in person. Once someone gets an idea in their head about what they think you meant, then it's hard to change their mind, even if they are blatantly wrong. So that's one reason why these video clips and these pictures and voiceovers that are posted on social media can actually help uh, when people do it. Because usually you get the meeting, you get their tone in their voice right away. There's not a lot of room for interpretation. You get to hear the inflection in someone's voice. If they're being silly, if they're being sarcastic, if they're being meaningful, and it helps to understand the meaning of what they're trying to convey. You know, I saw someone write on Facebook one time, don't type at me in that tone of voice. (laughs) 
I get that. The punctuation, your mood, how tired you are, if your Wi-Fi is slow, it can all affect the way you read and receive a typed message. On top of that, let's face it, in writing, one typo can change the whole meaning of a tweet or a meme or an email or a text message. And it's even scarier when someone uses voice to text and it autocorrects. Uh, most of the time you can tell when that happens, but not always. But there, you know, I've been there. I've lived through those bad voice to text fiascos. I've shared that before in other podcast episodes. But in typing or texting, you know, think about the word appeal, A-P-P-E-A-L. Change one letter and you go from appeal to appall. A-P-P-A-L-L. Um, big difference between something being appealing and appalling. <laughs> but w what about if you were texting someone and typed, no, I think she's dead, when you really meant to type, I think she's deaf. Okay, huge difference, dead versus deaf. You could give someone a heart attack that way. <laughs> but this also extends to voice maybe even in a greater way. It's easier to justify that you made a typo or miscommunicated when someone can see right in front of their eyes that, yep, you might have just typed something wrong or autocorrect, stole a letter from your word. But when you use a tone that you didn't intend to, or the person you're communicating with doesn't hear well, or maybe there's a lot of background noise that distorts the tone of your voice, then wow, there is a full-on need for better, concerted, intentional communication in those cases and for guarding your tone because it can create a huge issue. These are things that can cause fights and arguments and even wars. No joke. So I read something the other day that said 10% of conflicts are due to actual disagreements and the other 90% are due to someone using the wrong tone of voice. I'm not sure there was a scientific study done on this. <laughs> there might have been, I don't know. Uh, people have studied far more complex and crazy subjects than this, like the rate that ketchup pours out of a bottle. Yes, thank you for using our tax dollars wisely, U.S. government. Okay, sorry, that was political. Um, so, but I recall in college during an acting class that we had an assignment where everyone in the entire class had to act out two scenes. We each had a partner. We had to do two different scenes with the same partner. The lines were exactly the same for both scenes. But the scenes had two extremely opposite meanings and background information on the characters. For example, my opening line was, where have you been? And my partner responded, I've been really busy. It doesn't really matter right now, though, does it? That's it. That was the simple scene. In the first scene, I was a worried mom whose son had been out partying all night long and hadn't called me. I was waiting for him to get home. And my partner who played the son, his character as my son was coming in from being on a date where his girlfriend broke up with him. So my opening line was something like, where have you been? And he responded, I've been busy. It doesn't really matter right now though, does it? And he stormed off. So in the second scene, same lines, but I was a wife waiting at home for her husband who had called earlier and said that he had a surprise for me when he came home. My partner played the husband. So my first line was, where have you been? And the husband's response was, I've been really busy. It doesn't matter right now though, does it? And he came up and put his arms around me and we started to dance. 
Okay. And when we did these scenes, no one else in the class knew the background stories of each character except us and the professor. In fact, just by the way we spoke the words and reacted to each other and our body language, they had to guess what our background info was and what the scenario was. The dialogue in the two different scenes was exactly the same, but the tone of voice and the look on our faces, our body language and our demeanor was completely different in the two scenes and it changed the entire meaning of the words, even though the words were exactly the same in both scenes. It's pretty much in all in how you say it, isn't it? That's a lesson that I learned in acting class, and it's one that I've never forgotten. You know, the tone of an email, the tone of a letter, a text, and especially the tone of voice that someone has, whether or not it's in person or recorded on a, a TikTok or a reel on social media, it all makes a huge difference in how the words are received and how they're understood and digested. It also makes a difference in whether or not the message sticks. Recently, I saw someone post on social media about an incident that happened at the park with her and her children. And she was out at the park on a beautiful day, letting her kids run around and get some energy out. As kids do, they were screaming and laughing and having a good time. And sitting just kind of to the side uh, behind this woman on a bench was another mom. And when this other mom's young son came running up to her, this other mom said to him, don't be screaming like those other kids because it's irritating and no one wants to hear it. And so the, the, the mom with all the kids who were screaming said, oh, wow, those are my kids doing all that screaming. I'm sorry they annoyed you. Of course, they weren't the only kids screaming and playing. There was a large group that was playing tag, but the other mom never even turned around. She didn't even respond to the, the mom whose kids were screaming and what she said. At that point, she just said nothing. And the original mom proceeded to scream across the playground to her kids. Hey, don't be doing all that screaming because it's irritating some people. Now, <laughs> I found the mom's reaction funny. And it sounds like something my mother would have done when we were younger. <laughs> I mean, hey, don't you be telling her kids not to scream. She'll tell them not to scream if she wants to tell them not to scream. <laughs> I mean, what other place is better to run around and scream than outside at the park, right? Get that energy out and let those kids be kids. But at the same time, I wonder what the tone of her voice actually was. Both moms, actually, I wonder what their tone was. Was the second mom irritated over the screaming or did she have some sort of trauma that caused screaming like that to really bother her? If so, she probably shouldn't have been at the park. But was she afraid her child would pick up on the screaming and maybe he didn't have much self-control to be able to gauge when he should and shouldn't scream. So she was overly assertive in how she spoke about screaming to her son to get the point that he's not supposed to go around screaming. Who knows? There could be a whole host of reasons the mom responded the way she did. And I wasn't there, but I think sometimes in situations like this, our tone of voice is everything. If the mom whose kids were screaming had said anything in a tone that sounded aggravated or angry or insulted back at this woman over the way that this mom basically insulted her kids, then what could have happened? It could have gone in a totally different direction. But no, she had self-control. She tried to stay lighthearted about it, although a bit snarky to be honest, but she didn't immediately snap and take attitude with the other mom. Again, tone of voice. 
immediate response. It makes all the difference in the world. This makes me think of Psalms 21, 23 that says, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Well, part of our mouths and our tongues is also our tone of voice and our attitude. So on that note, I think about times in my life when tone of voice and attitude, you know, how they've come across or been delivered and how it's affected me on a personal level. For instance, I've sat through thousands of sermons, not thermons, sermons. I've sat through thousands of sermons uh, so far in my life, as I'm sure some of you have. I mean, if you're a churchgoer in any capacity whatsoever, or you like to listen to podcasts or you watch videos, you've probably listened to a lot of sermons and a lot of biblical messages. And there are some that I still recall the message to after many, many years. I still remember the example given and the scripture that went with it or the scriptures that were taught uh, at that time. However, there are so many more that I can't recall the message. I know there have been many that meant something to me at the time and had a great impact on my life. And and they did just what they were supposed to, I believe, uh, in that season. They hit me right where I was in that season. uh, And then I I let it go. But then there are those that found no landing place whatsoever in my mind or my heart because they were just done without any meaning. There was very little or no emotional attachment or emphasis by the person who was delivering it. And I think... Hmm, what if someone else had preached those very same words or that very same message, but that new person meant them and dug into them and felt them and let their voice and their tone drip with the passion of those words? How different would that sermon have been? You know, I try to apply that to myself as well, not just for podcasts, but for meetings and serious conversations and speaking engagements. If I'm not all there. If I'm not vested and invested, then what am I sounding like? Are my words and, and my actions even making an impact? If my words and actions are, are goofy as I'll get out and I'm sharing something completely silly, am I still getting my point across? I hope so, because a lot of times I'm really passionate even in the middle of being silly. I mean, is the motivation that was originally in my heart and the intent of my content coming across. You know, when you read the Bible, Jesus was very deliberate in what he said. He didn't mince words. Yes, he spoke in parables and word pictures, but he knew how susceptible our brains are to being distracted, I think. And those parables, they had a deliberate, effective message. You know, there are times I wish I could hear what the words Jesus said sounded like. You know, when he's quoted in the Bible, those red letters in the Bible, what did Jesus's voice sound like? What was his tone? In Luke 19, there's a portion uh, of verses that talks about Jesus coming down from the Mount of Olives. It starts in verse 37 and it says, then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, saying, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the rocks would immediately cry out. 
I would love to know how Jesus said that. What was his tone? Did he say it sternly like, hey, back off, because if they remain silent, the rocks are going to shout and you do not want to see that. Or, or did he say it in a knowing way, knowing that he commanded creation and all of creation already cries out to him like, ha, I tell you that if these, they should keep silent, the rocks will immediately cry out. So that, of course, gives me the picture of an avalanche or an earthquake with the rocks just moving and moaning and shaking the earth in praise and worship to, to the Lord. And I love that. But here's the great thing about God's word. And, and one of the great things, and especially those red letter scriptures, the holy eternal intent can't help but get conveyed one way or another eventually. Because the way it was said in the Bible and the way it was written in the Bible and the way God speaks it to our hearts and our minds, you know, the way he whispers it to our spirits at times, it is the way he intends it. For humans, it's definitely all in the way that we say it. But God will find a way to make sure you understand the meaning as long as you are open to it. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in how it was written or which um, biblical translation it, it comes from. The main thing is, is that we're open to God showing us what he means in the word and illuminating what uh, the intent and the meaning is it because it's amazing. The word is living and breathing and I can read something now that hits me in a completely different way than if I, when I had read it like two years ago or studied it three years ago, because I'm in a different place because I'm receiving it through the Holy spirit in the way that the Lord wants me to receive it right now. That doesn't mean the word changes. That doesn't mean it's different. It just, that means I'm understanding it in a fuller way and in a fullness that I hadn't understood before, but that's the way the word of God is. You know, I could say, I love you with such hate and disdain in my voice that it sounds worse than a cuss word. Or I could say it in a way that it sounds playful and silly, like I love you or serious and heartfelt, like I love you because it's all in the way that you say it. And I believe that the word is the same way. A lot of it is in how you say it, but it's also in how you receive it. And I would love to know and hear, I can't wait to hear Jesus's voice and hear how he says things. But I, I want you to remember too, well, what God put on my heart with this message is that your tone and your intention, your mindset and your heart, and even your mood can make all the difference in the world, how someone takes your words. So even when it's difficult to do so, Try hard to be cautious, be careful and say what you mean, mean what you say. I've had to learn the hard way to be careful in how I convey words. So my true intentions are known and I want my true intentions known. It's not that I want to walk around on eggshells all the time, worrying about how things come out, come out of my mouth. I want to be intentional because I want to be understood. I want to be validated. I want people to know where my heart is and the message that I'm trying to give them. And we definitely have to be careful in how we use scripture and the words in the Bible. We have to make sure that we're conveying what we mean to convey, not just in relationships, but also in how the truth of the word of God is conveyed and in the way the Bible intended it, making sure that we're diligent not to become a stumbling block to someone else because of our tone and our words and how we decide we want to translate things. It's really important because you didn't 
maybe if you didn't do your homework or you didn't allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and how you quoted that scripture or how you share an experience or how you learn something, then it could come out in a completely false way or in a wrong way. It's a big responsibility, but it's a blessing at the same time. And this doesn't just apply to sharing biblical truths in scripture. It's also sound thinking for everyday communication and relationships. So I pray today that whatever way you're communicating, that you ask the Lord to guide you and to guard you, to take over your words and the tone of your words so they match up with his word and the way that he wants you to come across to other people. Because there is power in your words, whether you want there to be or not. There is. You never know who's listening or who's watching and who you're a witness to. And some people bank on making sure others are listening, especially when they plan to deceive or connive or become passive aggressive. They want to use their words as if they're a dagger to someone else's heart. Sometimes it happens accidentally also. Um, So you have to be careful and you have to be guarded at times. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 15, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And gentle words bring life and health while a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Let's work hard to make sure that we don't crush anyone else's spirit. Let's make sure that we speak life, that we speak words of love and health, and that we have self-control as those words come out of our mouth. So I pray that where you need to say it with boldness, that you do. That when you need to say whatever it is with kindness, that you do. That where you need to say it dripping with honey, you can muster up that strength and that softness or that humbleness that you need to uh, have and go for the honey. And when you need to say whatever it is you need to say that you pray and ask God to show you how to say it, because I want you to remember that it's all in how you say it. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Woman Inspired Podcast. I hope you will like, share, and follow this podcast if you haven't already. And hop on out again to womaninspired.com and you can see uh, my other info out there, including my ASMR podcast link on womaninspired.com. Thank you so much. Have a very blessed week. Thank you.